Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by OneScreen.ai. OneScreen.ai eliminates the time-consuming manual tasks associated with buying and selling out-of-home. I'm talking with Chenault Sanders, the CEO, and Prentice Nelson, the president of Blackbird Media, a company which owns iconic billboards in Tennessee and Georgia. Welcome to the show, Chenault and Prentice. We're glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Blackbird Media owns a spectacular, I think it's a 36 by 38 digital sign in downtown Nashville. It's known as the Times Square of the South. Tell us a story about how it came about. All right. Well, Dave, this is Chenault. You know, my grandfather, Nelson Tribune, bought that property in the 50s, and the sign was there already. It had been a Coca-Cola perm and, you know, big static thing. It actually had a time and temp. So he operated a business there for many years. And down the road in the 2012 or so, we started to explore the, the opportunity to take, the, take it digital and ended up having to go and, and, and lobby the Metro Council here in Nashville and, and work with a number of people to, to end up getting a, a special provision in the, in the code here in Nashville that allowed us to go digital on the Nashville Sun. And so after looking at a lot of options in terms of other you know, professional out-of-home managers, we made the decision that, that we would try to go it alone. So I started a little company, Blackbird Media, hired a couple of folks from the radio business, and we, we went up with the Sun. And you know it's just been quite an adventure since then. And it's grown into quite a bit more than, than its humble beginnings. And it's in a really special location. Talk a little about, isn't it in the middle of a downtown hub, major intersection? It's kind of in this little triangle in the middle, but talk a little about the location. Yes, yeah, so it, it's at the intersection of West End Avenue and Broadway, which at that intersection, it becomes Broadway and then heads all the way downtown. So really, if you were all the way down at the river, so at First Avenue, if you were a couple floors up, you could see the sign from there, but especially from kind of the top of a hill at 8th Avenue, you have just a very clear read. So it looks right down the middle of the, you know, the largest, you know, most important street in Nashville and always will. So we're very fortunate about that. It must have been an incredible, challenging install because it looks like you are right up against a sidewalk. How in the world did you do the install when you did a, a digital conversion? Well, you know, there was a sign that was already there. So yeah. first it was taking that side down and it was pretty amazing because most, most, a lot of it was made of plywood and we peeled back multiple layers, actually got all the way down to some of the original Coca-Cola sign that was there. Oh my. We did have to buttress the, the structure that was there, of course. And so it was very challenging. The hardest part actually was that this property had been used for automotive purposes since probably the 30s. And so we were trying to sink these metal pilings into the, the ground right in between 14 different underground storage tanks, which we could not break. So oh it, it, it was quite a challenge. I bet. How in the world did you convince the city? What was compelling to them to allow them to permit a, a big sign like this? 
Well, number one, I got a call from our land use attorney and he said, look, there's a bill that's that's floating through the Metro Council that would outlaw digital billboards in all of these various zones. And this would apply to you guys. And so we went and we talked to them and we said, look, this sign has always been here. It's really a part of Nashville. It's used as a wayfinder for lots of people. Why should Nashville not have kind of the best quality sign? And the council and really everybody was was in favor of it, as strange as that is. When they wrote the provision that allowed us to do this, they actually said that you had to be a sign that was you know in place before 2014 that was over 1200 square feet in surface area and that faced down an arterial street so really it was kind of a carve out just for us which was kind of nice wow now you expanded the company in july 2019 you bought 30 by 100 30 foot by 100 foot sign in atlanta the Atlanta sign, or what's called the Centennial District sign. Talk a little about that. Yeah, so this is, this is Prentice talking. So the longer story is, you know, I had, I had known Chenault for my whole life, and I had just moved back to Nashville and kind of reconnected with Chenault. And one day I get a call from Chenault saying, hey, I got this opportunity in the uh, out-of-home advertising business. You want to help me out with it? And, you know, I didn't know anything about billboards, but I, you know, was recovering finance, you know, M&A, capital raising guy, looked in and was like, wow, this is a really, really compelling business here. That was how I ended up linking up with Schnault to do that project down again, like I said, in spring of 2019. But yes, we had an opportunity to buy a lease down there from, you know, on a sign, very similar to the Nashville sign. It had been there, you know, effectively since the beginning of time, you know, it was the CNN sign forever. I believe Ted Turner owned it at one point. It was a static and we, we had plans. We had a permit to take it digital as soon as we took over the lease. Like the national sign, it was a, an engineering marvel of, uh, you know, having to send, you know, supports through a building, through a through an operating restaurant, effectively, to support the, the weight of this, and it's, this enormous sale kind of sitting on top of a building. You know, like you said, a 3,000 square foot digital sign is not light. Wow. So, yeah, we, so we got that put in there and then it, performed, probably exceeded our expectations coming out of the gates. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, I guess. And, and am I right? Atlanta's doing some really interesting things down there in that area, the Atlanta Arts and Entertainment District. Haven't they been done some special carve-outs for digital signs to try and create a little buzz down there? They have. And kind of in a, it's, it's interesting, but this sign was allowed to go digital based on a settlement with the city that that was based on a lawsuit that BoardWorks Larry Roberts had settled several you know years ago, and so actually we although we are in the district we are not permitted as a digital under the Arts and Entertainment District, but oh. we hmm. have gotten to know Fredlin Frazier who who runs that program, and of course Patty Reeves who's who's on the board as well. It's a number of other people. It's a great, really, Atlanta's done a great job with that. We're working on another project right on Marietta hmm. that we are really excited about. It would be, you know, an, another kind of similar spectacular sized uh, digital. And it's just a, it's a great program. It's kind of the curation, the art curation is something that we were already doing privately here in Nashville. We had a philosophy we would never say you're at here on, on our signs. And so we we worked with the city and with 
different art nonprofits to curate art selections. So we were really doing something similar to the work that the Arts and Entertainment District is doing in Atlanta. And so it's a, really a great program. OneScreen.ai modernizes out-of-home advertising by creating a central space where media owners can easily sell and marketers can easily buy out-of-home. By eliminating the time-consuming manual tasks associated with selling and buying of out-of-home inventory, OneScreen.ai makes real-time advertising a possibility for every marketer and every media owner Tap into the largest publicly available out-of-home inventory and get a free listing by visiting onescreen.ai backslash get listed. Again, that's onescreen.ai backslash get listed. Chanel, I want to follow up on what you just said. You've talked in the past about language like making your signs a gathering place, and you've talked about the importance of partnering with local entities can you expand a little on that, what you were just talking about, and how you introduce surprise and delight into the signs, how you make the signs a gathering place, and how you sort of partner and become part of the community? Well, this really goes back to the beginning and kind of the, the original plan, which you know a lot of people didn't think would work, a lot of industry people. But instead of viewing one of these signs as having 8 times 13, 104 pieces of inventory, I kind of viewed it as, okay, well, really, if we could flip the sign every eight, seven and a half, eight seconds, you know, we have about 4.2 million pieces of inventory. Hmm. And so we could divvy that up in whatever way we want. A lot of local advertisers and local nonprofits who would want to have part of the, the voice on the Nashville sign or the Atlanta sign, you know, can't afford the rates that, that we command for a four-week period. And so what we've done is we've taken that all the way down from, you know, not not just a one out of eight turns. We would take it to, a, you know, one out of 16, you know, so you would show up once every two minutes, once every four minutes, once every eight minutes. And then down from there, not not a full four week period, but a two week period, a one week period. And so we have multiple local advertisers that will advertise, let's just say, They'll have a campaign during an important period for them, and they will have one sixteenth of the sign for one week. And then we also have a like a we have a local rate card. We also have a local nonprofit rate card. And so what we found is that by fractionalizing this inventory, we're able to to allow a lot of different advertisers, a lot of I say most all the charitable nonprofit institutions in the city are, are, are partners of ours one way or another. How do you sell a spectacular sign like this? My sense is this is probably not the same as selling a little 10 and a half by 36 directional sign, this exit subway. How do you sell these giant signs? To really simplify everything, I would say these giant signs if they are in the, the kind of places that we have ours, in some way they sell themselves. Now that's very much an oversimplification. What we really do is we have kind of a, a dual selling plan. We have kind of a national sales plan and then we have a, a local sales plan. The local sales plan is really one where, where we are out in front of the community and you know reaching out trying to be trying to understand what when the big events are what are the important times of year for all of these local advertisers and then with the nationals it's a 
kind of a different animal and kind of more similar to what you would see in some of the largest spectacular boards in the country. Now, a typical roadside plant, you might see, you know, 80% local, 20% national. I'm assuming that your signs are pulling a lot more national type business. Yeah, and and I'll I'll kind of go back and answer your first question about, you know, kind of the the meeting place dynamic. I mean, they're hmm. You're right. So we we probably skew more national, but it's we try to keep it somewhat balanced. And because you know there is there's real synergies between having the nationals and the locals together. Towns like Nashville and Atlanta, you know, those towns are very proud towns, and the people in those towns are very proud of you know what those cities have to offer. And so they like seeing local stuff up there. They like seeing what the the local events are, or the local musicians, or artists, or nonprofits. And then, you know, the nationals who ultimately can pay more than your typical local advertiser, they get credibility by being side by side with the local advertisers. And, you know, they are, they like being perceived as being part of the community as well. We see a lot of benefit from on both sides of kind of having that mix. So, yeah, so it's, so it's, it's a different sales process for both ends of that spectrum. But when you put them together, I think, you, you know, it's one plus one equals more than two in, in some instances. How are are you guys thinking about the automated sales platforms like OneScreen, ViStar, Adomni, AdQuick, and what role they might have to the signs? Yeah, we've been kind of dipping our toe into a lot of automated stuff. I mean, it has not been particularly effective on, on our spectaculars, as you can imagine, just because the pricing and the rates just don't really apply there. And a lot of that has to do with how traffic is counted on some of our spectaculars. It's just, they're not capturing kind of the, the true gravity of what those signs are. Yes. You know, the rest of our plant that is more standardized, we have dipped our toe in with Vistar, Adomni, Place Exchange mm-hmm. through our apparatics and kind of um, IBO sort of relationship. We've had some success with that. I think we're still, we're still figuring out how to optimize for that and really you know, dial it in to where it's, where it's meaningful. I mean, we're, like I said, we're, we're experiencing it, but it, it hasn't been, it hasn't, you know, changed the game for us, so to speak. We have used blip, which is another one that's not through kind of the, the IBO system. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had great success with that, especially as of late. I mean, it, it's a little bit different system where we sort of dedicate a spot to, to them and then they sell it. You know, we've, we've been, pleased with how that's gone. But again, this is this is really for our more standardized plant, less so our spectaculars. I'll just chip in. You know, I owned a little, uh, uh, used to own a little small digital down in Texas a while ago, and I had blip on it. I think it was adding 10 or 15% to my monthly revenue, and it was found money. I, it was yeah. small advertisers that I would never have found myself. So it's sort of like, well, you know, it's a great, it's, don't, I, I won't turn down an incremental 10 or 15%. That's right. Yeah, you're not going to be able to run your entire plant on it, right? At least not in the foreseeable future. But yeah, to your point, it's just it's kind of money from the sky that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And so, um... you guys have raised some money, both with respect to some of the things you've done with the Nashville sign, recapitalizing or buying out some partners, and also expanding into Atlanta. That required capital. Can you talk about the process of raising capital? What you've learned about raising capital? I, I would say. Pritis and I both were not raising capital was was not something that was new to us. You know, when we really 
got into this business, we had both done multiple capital raises. We had also been on the other side of many capital raises and, and you know, had made lots of private investments. So, so I would say that we had an advantage in, in that from that point of view. We have found raising capital was really easy. It, obviously, you have to have a project that's worthy of raising capital. You also have to you have to know who the right people are. You know, you, you want to make sure that you're providing the right kind of deal terms, and I think that's a that's a really kind of important initial point. And you want to have the right kind of partners. You don't want to have capital partners or not partners who you're asking to you know, be involved in the day-to-day business. You know, they're, they're there to make a, a passive investment. For us, you know, honestly, that's been probably the easiest part of, of, of the business, but I'll, I'll Pretis would probably have more to say. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like Chanel said, you know, we've, we've been in and around capital raising for most of our professional careers. And I would say these assets tend to be pretty easy to sell. People love cash flows and there's not a lot of stuff out there that has the returns that there are the cash returns that these, you know, signs in general have. So it's actually kind of nice to have something that you can sell to somebody that's actually going to pay them pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You sort of touched on something. I think that's important when you raise money. I know certainly as a guide, it's done several times. Terms are important, what the terms are, but culture is too. And, you know, if you're, you're taking money from someone, that's someone that you've got a relationship now and you're across the table from and just because someone else may have cheaper better terms if the chemistry isn't there if you can't trust them it's not worth it it's just not worth it you have to sort of take a long-term view and look at the chemistry and the culture because you don't want to take someone's money and then end up fighting with a partner the whole time because of different expectations of involvement or or whatever yeah. and to add i mean to your point i think of equal or probably more importance is they have to trust us, you know, yes. to, to know that, you know, we know sort of what we're doing, I guess, you know, and mm-hmm. that we're going to make, mm-hmm. you know, the best decisions we can with what we're dealing with. And especially when you go into a world like a, a COVID time where things are uncertain and, you know, you're going to make the best judgments you can deal with the hand you're dealt that sometimes things are outside of your control. Now you'd like to keep growing. You mentioned some projects that you've got now, how do you see the Blackbird changing over the next five years? Really going back to, I guess, 2018, when we took over a plant here in Nashville, one of the larger independent plants. And really what, what we knew was that we had to have build out really a, a, to- a full team to run the Nashville side in the way that we wanted to. And so it was easy to scale that into other standard static and digital boards in Nashville. So that was kind of the beginning of the expansion. At this point, you know, we have actually, you know, we have, let's say, you know, right now, two double digital 1448s on I-65 that are being built right outside of the city. These are going to be primo signs. Last year, we had two double digitals, a double static, 1448s on I-24, right outside of town. So within Nashville, we're really able to take on the lease is termed out. You know, a lot of people will call us asking us to come on board. We're also developing a lot of signs in, in the Nashville area. In the Atlanta area, we're looking to do the same thing. 
And some of that could be through acquisitions. Some of that could be through new development. So not only spectaculars, but, but also just, you know, standard size boards. And we think that if you come into a market with a, with a spectacular like the kinds we have, it's pretty easy there to go. And as long as you stay focused on really high quality inventory, to be able to sell that inventory and manage that inventory within that market. So we're actually also, we're just recent, just in the last few days, ready to go down to a new market in Florida. We can't really talk that much about it today, but we'll be making an announcement and letting you know as soon as we're able to you know, put the word out about that. But we're really excited about that as well. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Chanel and Prentice. Thank Thanks you. For having us. Yeah, I'd love to be here. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by OneScreen.ai. OneScreen.ai eliminates the time-consuming manual tasks associated with buying and selling out of home. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is DaveWestberg at BillboardInsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks.